It is the 11 Dubcast. I'm Johnny. He's George. Lots of stuff to talk about today. Lots of things to get into. Um, of course, there's the Michigan weekly, the weekly update of the Michigan saga that we will just milk uh, until it is bone dry because this stuff is absolutely hilarious. Other funny things happening around the college football world. Davos Swinney, I think, is uh, about to just like implode like a, you know, like a, a neutron star into itself and then, you know, <laughs> explode like a black hole. That's going to be fun. Oklahoma loss. That was also funny. Let's start off with, though, of course, Ohio State going on the road at night to Wisconsin, a place that I think is traditionally a pretty difficult place to play. And I'm not saying that Wisconsin was, you know, an amazing team that they, you know, were going to come out and, you know, really just punch Ohio State in the face. But this is still a difficult game. And Ohio State in general, we're going to talk about kind of the particulars, but in general, I was pretty satisfied with the way everything kind of played out. They scored in every quarter. Um, you know, despite Kyle McCord not having a great game, you saw the return of Travion Henderson. Uh, defense obviously continues to play just lockdown football. This, to me, was a pretty fun, entertaining game, and I was pretty pleased by the end of it. Uh, I'm less than pleased. Uh, it's It's interesting because the narrative going in was, oh, the run game has all these problems and all these holes. And as I was trying to say going into the game last week, we still need to see this run game get Travion Henderson healthy. And once the health falls into place for the running backs, let's then evaluate it. Wisconsin had a very, very good run defense, Mm -hmm. and Ohio State wore them out and eventually got the gut punch with Travion's long rushing touchdown at the end of the game. Uh, We were watching the game, and I believe Matt Gutrich brought up the point that prior to the Wisconsin game, this season was currently on pace to be the first season in which Ohio State had not finished the season with any running back having, I believe, multiple games of 100 yards rushing. It was either one game or multiple games. And Matt made the point that it was the 2003 or 2004 season uh, I'm forgetting with which running back it was, but you recalled immediately and you said, Johnny, oh, that was a really, really bad season for the run game. So if this yeah. is the if this is historically what it's measuring up against by program standards, this is really, really bad. And then it ends up being the reason that they win against a really good defense. And mm-hmm. then conversely with McCord, I said last week. I don't feel like I need him to be this super high-level potential Heisman candidate if he just continues to be this guy that manages the game well and doesn't make mistakes. And then he turned the ball over three times in this game, and he wasted a bunch of really good opportunities that Ohio State had. So I, I am not satisfied with that because if that trend continues into November against the best opponents that Ohio State has left, and then Michigan, I, then the what was good with McCord in the first two months of the season, it, it, that very little momentum relative to the little success that the offense has had is going to be on a downtrend going into the game that is the most important. Really, I, I mean, the last three, four games, whatever it's going to be, including you know Big Ten Championship and then 
whatever they're going to be playing in the playoff, those are all going to be the most important games Ohio State plays this season, and it starts with Michigan. And you want to see an upward trajectory, and McCord, after this game, this is like argue, This is the worst game he played this yeah. season. I don't and think you know it's what? disputable. And that's no that you're and you're right. It is. And I would the only thing that I would say is is that as far as McCord goes, is that first of all, I, I do agree. Worst game that he's played, worst decision making that he's shown. Uh, and that was really, I think, the concerning thing. It's not even that okay, you're missing a throw or whatever. That that happens. Um, but especially where you kill a drive in your opponent's red zone by throwing a really stupid pass that should have been thrown away. That's the kind of the, like poor decision-making that we hadn't seen from him um, all year, really. Like he, he'd made bad throws or, you know, not really, um, you know, converted when he needed to, but not that stupid bonehead move. Uh, here's the thing. If that's not a trend, right, and that it gets rectified the next game, I'm going to feel, you know, whatever about it. Quarterbacks can have bad games. JJ McCarthy, you know, right now is is one of the Heisman front runners, and he had three interceptions against Bowling Green of all teams. So, quarterbacks can rebound from this. I don't think it's necessarily, um, you know, something to freak out about until you start seeing it multiple games in a row. Now, Kyle McCord's danger, I think, is if he starts pressing and goes, "All right, I really have to make stuff happen." And to your point, he doesn't. He's got an incredible array of weapons around him. Just get him the ball the most surest way possible, and you're going to be fine. Uh, Ohio State definitely left a lot of points on the board. I think you saw uh, an almost exact mirror of the Penn State game where Marvin Harrison gets wide open across the flat, and if he gets hit on that, I mean, it's, it's six points easy. So that's going to happen at least once or twice a game where you've got to connect with the dude. Uh, who's going to be able to get himself that wide open and, and be that good at uh, you know converting? But what I will say, in terms of the offense overall, I you know it had been more than a month since Travion Henderson had had a carry for the Ohio State you know rushing offense. He had not seen the field. He had not been on the field for a month, and he comes in and he puts in his best performance. Uh, of the season, obviously, and one of his best, you know, as a uh, as a running back at Ohio State. And the thing that I think really heartened me is it's not just that he was breaking off huge runs. Because Notre Dame, you know, a lot of those yardage was buoyed by that 61-yard touchdown run that he had. He came in and he was getting consistent yardage, falling forward, turning, you know, one or two-yard runs into three or four-yard runs. That's the kind of thing I wanted to see out of that guy where in the past it felt like he was just indecisive. He would get behind the line or hit, hit, get hit behind the line of scrimmage, you know, not make positive, um, you know, not make negative plays into positive plays. I didn't see that on Saturday. I saw a guy who was running with conviction really, really hard, still has that speed. And, you know, if, if you have that element, it's going to make everything else better. I would have liked to see more points, but honestly, I think what that, you know, offensive, uh, what the what the part of that offense showed was, I think, heartening, particularly as you go into Rutgers and some of these other teams. Yeah, I, well, you know, relative to Travion, uh, it, it just comes down to him being healthy. I think the the yeah. before the touchdown run he had at the end of the game, the moment that most stood out to me was just a very basic. I think two or three yard run he hit, might have had in the second half or somewhere in the middle of the game, but he made this jump cut where oh, he yeah. was like 
facing the sideline and then like came back to like facing the middle of the field in a way where just the change of direction and agility was just something that he simply did not have access to last year. Right. I mean, he's got a level of speed and burst back that not only did none of the other running backs in this offense have to offer in their skill set, but he didn't even have that available himself last year for many stretches of the Mm -hmm. season. So he absolutely is a, a huge difference maker in this offense in terms of his ability to have attention taken away from other playmakers on the perimeter, such as Marvin Harrison Jr. Right. And I I hope that he sticks around in terms of just not missing more time, as you alluded to, not really taking a, a carry in over a month. That's certainly not something that you want to see. Uh, but, uh, you know, relative to wanting to see more points, I mean, again, it, it comes down to McCord with – not only the turnovers, but the fact that the turnovers were so concentrated in the red zone. Right. And uh, I just, I don't feel good about the trajectory. And I don't think that we've seen in the recent games that they've done. We did see them do some more check down stuff because they had Travion available here and they, I mean, you know, they've done, they've done a really good job incorporating guys with wheel routes, but we haven't seen them do checkdowns with like Xavier Johnson. Evan Pryor's been completely absent, and that might be because he's lost some of his burst after the injury. But mm-hmm. even we talked about in the preseason how good we know as pass catchers Mayan Williams is. Chip Tranium surprised at various stretches during this season as a pass catcher as well. And obviously we know how capable Travion Henderson is to only see Henderson really used in the check down role this year, given McCord has had so many issues dealing with pressure, his trajectory in terms of figuring out how to deal with pressure hasn't gotten better as the season has gone on. It's now gotten worse and it's worse than ever after this game. I'm, I hope that they're going to make the adjustments that they need to going into November because that's clearly the biggest flaw holding back this offense right now. And even though the the tools are there to fix it, we haven't seen them implemented in a way that inspires optimism for the the home stretch of the season. Yeah, I think, I mean, obviously you've got Marvin Harrison and, you know, a guy, again, 160 yards plus, it's doing the same thing week in and week out. That's a huge weapon to have. But I do agree with you that, you know, get, you know, Henderson had four catches for 45 yards. That's that's pretty great. That's that's awesome. But get him more involved in the play action game. Be more creative about how he's going to be like lined up when he goes out wide, uh, whatever his routes look like. He's, he's an incredible pass catcher. Um, I agree. You got to lean on that a little bit. I did like to see how versatile they're starting to understand that, you know, Xavier Johnson really is that he can fulfill a lot of really interesting roles because he's not going to be a guy who is going to catch, you know, a hundred yards, right. He's not going to get a hundred yards receiving or anything like that. He's not going to run for a hundred, but stuff like, you know, getting in there, spelling a dude, you don't know whether it's going to be, I think what makes Xavier Johnson really interesting. Let me, let me put it this way. 
you don't know whether it's going to be a run play or a pass play when he's in. And that's the same thing that you can utilize with Henderson. You have, you can make the defense confused. You can force it's them to the account. Curtis Samuel role. Right. And, and when you have to force a defense to, uh, to consider, you know, that they can't just lock in right on a certain lane or, you know, pick up a dude and be like, okay, this is a pass play. This is a running play. When you force them to think, that makes it so much harder uh, for them to adjust to what you might do. And Xavier Johnson gives them that added element. Uh, Henderson, Trayvon Henderson gives them that added element when they utilize him in, in the way that he can be utilized. And I saw a little bit of that, I think, against Wisconsin. Um, but I, but I want to see it like fully weaponized, right? Like I want to see that a part, a consistent part of their play calling. There were some play calls I thought, I mean, there was a few that I saw highlighted. It's a couple of running plays in particular that were like, wow, this is brilliant. You, know, you would like to see better blocking for the offensive line. But I do think as the season's gone on, Ryan Day's gotten more creative. I just want to see that trend continue because I, I absolutely agree with you. You've got these weapons. You've got to be able to uh, force the defense to to really worry about it a little bit. You can't just say like, okay, well, now this is a running play. This is a pass play. You've got to keep them on their toes. Uh, they've got the guys to do it. And I, I want to see that kind of evolve in the next few weeks. Particularly, you know, we're going to talk about too much, but particularly against like a Rutgers team, right? that is going to try to just key off or tee off on, on uh, McCord and just go after him. So you gotta, you gotta play smart and not just, and again, you've got the best player in football. That's great. But if you really want to like ascend and take that next step as an offense, I think you can't just, you know, hook it up to Marvin and be like, okay, well, we'll fi- we're fine with 24 points a game. Cause that's, that'll win you a lot of games with this defense, but I don't know that that's, sustainable like you said against the michigans and the you know the other top teams of the country maybe they're just trying to live off marvin harrison touchdowns so it's obvious who the heisman trophy winner should be (laughs) that's also my theory about why day is like revolvingly holding top playmakers in the offense out it's like all right we can't have travion do too well yeah, yeah we yeah, can't yeah, have it we can't have Ibuka do too well Mecca got 100 yards oh well, you gotta sit dude you gotta take a couple i hope it's already easy to phase stover out of the offense and you know <laughs> well we, we didn't see any of against wisconsin which i thought was really weird i that was no targets at all that's the um, nature of the Ohio State tight end, man. That's true. Yeah, that's, you won't that's... hear from him again until the college football playoff. That's right. You won't catch a single pass for the rest of the season. I do think that the offense is going to look. I mean, we do a lot of this critiquing, but it does have to, you know, bear in mind that you're doing it on a week to week basis, as we do, uh, looking at an injured team, right? Like Emeka is not there, or Trey is not there, and it's just it feels like every week, you know, that that caveat pops up. Um, if a mech is there next week and you've got Terry Vion Henderson, and of course you got Marvin and all these other dudes, that's when you get creative. And I, I would like to see a little bit more creativity out of the offense. Now defensively, I mean, I don't know what else you want. I mean, they, yes, you know, uh, Wisconsin had to deal with obviously a really significant injury, um, you know, with Brandon Allen coming out, but in general, I mean, I don't, you're playing a team at home, or on the road, right, at their home, at night, you know, all the advantages that an offense could have, they're hyped for it, and you just clamp them down. And it was just, it was one of those things where I think maybe at halftime I was still a little wary, and then you start to see how the second half is going to go, you know, after that initial touchdown, you're like, okay, well, they're not, they're not doing jack. Like, that's it. It's over. Um, I don't know. I, I am... 
I am just top to bottom really impressed with this defense. And I think the defensive line in particular is starting to really round into form. You're really starting to see them like pick some things up and figure out what they need to do. Well, that was the missing piece, but I was also optimistic that I was going to fall into place in short order because of Larry sure, yeah. Johnson. So, which I mean, just kind of goes to show how much of a, a luxury having this unit and this coaching staff, like from the assistants up to Jim Knowles is, I mean, I went into this very unthreatened. Uh, I, the fact of the matter is like Talia Tagovailoa was going to be the best quarterback that Ohio state faces until JJ McCarthy this season, like always. And it was known in advance. Tanner Mordecai wasn't going to threaten that. And even switching to Braden Locke, wasn't going to threaten that either. And it was important. I thought to recognize that that was his first start of his career at home. So that was a very high pressure situation to get against a, uh, a very high level defense. Those things don't generally go too well with each other. I thought he did a relatively good job overall for what they were asking him to do but it was very clear that he was not going to be able to make the plays consistently that Wisconsin needed to beat this defense. Oh yeah. And no. I mean, it felt like, a, I, it felt like last week, right. Where you're, you're really like, you kind of are super aware that the other team is not going to be throwing it past like 20 yards or so with this, any kind of confidence. This defense feels like the, the standard of what you want for like a high caliber NFL defense in terms of, we're not going to let you get 20 right. and uh, you know, well, good luck. You know, we'll, we'll hope the offense can, you know, do us some favors, but you're not going to get 20. So just, you have that to look forward to. Yeah. And I think, well, right. And it's just going to be a grind. Like every single point that you want is just going to be absolute hell. Right. Like that's, that's the thing that I think is really fun to watch uh, for me, at least. I know a lot of people would prefer them just blitz every down and sack and sack and sack and all that other stuff. That I was just last like, year that's without right. the sacks. That's right. No, but you're right. It was. It was super highly aggressive. It gave up a ton of points and bad situations. And now what Jim Knowles has said is like, we've got the dudes in the back where we're just going to like say, screw it. If you want to get like three or four yards at a time, five or five Playing yards at a time. Playing prevent on third down is good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it, it can work. Now, I am interested. Guys like Jordan, you know, Hancock coming in, that's really um, – I think that has been a huge boost in a lot of ways to the defense. I think that makes them more versatile. Uh, I think Sonny Styles going out there, um, you know, doing some stuff at safety is is really um, – has been beneficial because he's just, you know, rangy and going all over the place. I do think – I think one of the things that Ohio State can maybe worry about a little bit is – um, like depth on the defensive line a little bit. If you lose some of your guys, injuries in general, um, I don't know. Are you concerned about those at all? About but those maybe piling up in the last you know twenty five percent of the season here. I was worried about it last year. Um, I'm optimistic that that experience has given the coaching staff the uh, wherewithal for how to manage this going into the home stretch. Right. But, and I think that's why guys yeah. like Emeka and, and, you know, Trayvon Henderson have been out for so long of stretches because they really, I mean, they're trying to save these guys. And I think they know that they can do that. Some people want to point fingers at like strength and conditioning now that this has kind of become a year over year trend. And I don't really know enough to make that criticism, but it is 
it is concerning that we're we're seeing this kind of unavailability so routinely spread throughout the roster relative yeah. to skilled players year over year. Um, right. It's clearly frustrated a lot of them, particularly Travion Henderson. And I, uh, I just hope that the program isn't ignorant to this in terms of writing it off as bad luck, because when there's, when there's a bad trend, you need to watch this. And I've seen another uh, sports collective if you want to call it that but in the professional ranks uh that has had an issue similar to this in the chicago bulls and they just have not corrected this for like over a decade in terms of just not having a good staff that deals with injury like rehab and stuff i'm not saying that's the case with ohio state but when you have like a routine year over year issue with the the same skill position groups having injuries that are just kind of nagging throughout the season and just leaving their availability in question it's it's going to cause speculation particularly in an environment where not only are is the injury report completely unknown throughout the entire week up until <laughs> the day of actual kickoff yeah, but I think then we've you have kind of faith on that Right, because because Ryan Day's been doing a bunch of uh, gamesmanship, if you want to be polite about it, with that right. this season. Which is, uh, you know, I'm more frustrated about that than I should be. But it, uh, I, I know for a lot of other people, it it can, uh, you know, it. I mean, it's look, it, it's not really anybody's business, I guess. But when you're when you're trying to get a sense of what they're actually going to have available as a fan. It's frustrating to think, oh, this player, I'm looking forward to see them. And then yeah. they it's, don't it's actually play it all, even not though not say anything, you know what I mean? Like yeah. that's, I, and I think that's the frustrating part about it because like, if it'd be one thing, it's like, well, we're just not releasing that information. People are like, okay, fine. But saying like, you know, we think we're ready to go. And, and like, it's, it's like a tease and it doesn't feel, I don't know. It, it doesn't feel like, um, you know, the team's being forthright about this stuff, which they don't have to be. But just, you know, be upfront about it. Like, if you don't know or you don't think so, just say that. And it's fine. Or if you don't want to release it, period. That's fine, too. But, yeah, the 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 playing coy is is not a good look. I don't love that. Um, Feels like they're lying, which they can. But, yes. you know, be honest. That's right. Be honest about your lying. Uh, <laughs> you know, Lathan Ransom got hurt. That That's not fun at all. Obviously, starting a uh, you know, defensive player in the secondary, you don't want to see that. I do think that is one of those places where they can uh, find some depth and, and get some guys on the field who can, you know, make an impact. I mean, like we were talking with how they work, you know, worked it out with Jordan Hancock and Sonny Styles. Um, but I don't think they can sustain or withstand a lot of those types of injuries. So I hope that, you know, he's okay. I hope, you know, like JT, you know, is able to shake everything off. You know, Kyle McCord is is into the game limping. There's it's that time of year where you get a lot of that. You know, on any team, um, everybody's it, hurt at this. Everybody's time hurt of the season, but they're not is the narrative. Yeah, but not everybody is that hurt, and so that's the problem. Like you really got to start managing things and being smart about it. And I don't know. It'll be interesting to see who comes out against Rutgers and and you know what the game plan is and things like that. So. A little concerned, um, and hopefully that's not something that piles up and you know becomes a factor uh, later on. So overall, though, I, you know, we we talked about some of the negative stuff, some of the positive stuff. I'll be honest; 
this is still an eight and no team. Um, they have, and what else ostensibly, I think a lot of people thought, you know, maybe minus Marvin Harrison, but uh, this is kind of a rebuilding team, right? Where they get, they really had to replace a lot of dudes like on the offensive line and, and figure out a lot of things that they were going to do uh, wide receiver, all that kind of stuff. Um, and of course they had guys there, but you didn't know how it was going to work out. I, they're eight. No. And they have the potential to go undefeated. My question to you then, George, is, is this how they end the season? Did they end the season, you know, with what you've seen versus what you've seen uh, from other teams in the big 10 is this a team that can get to the Big Ten championship game unscathed? I mean, it's just asking me if they're going to beat Michigan at this point. Yeah, I mean, maybe. Ask, I mean, ask me during the week of the game. <laughs> well, because yes and no, though, right? Because they're playing a Rutgers team that I think is a lot better than people thought. Uh, you still have the propensity to maybe screw up at some point prior to the. Oh Michigan yeah, it's ahead. it right now. It could potentially be the narrowest spread in the history of the Ohio State Rutgers series. Do you know what it is? Like nineteen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's still three scores. <laughs> yeah, right. So I'm not I'm not concerned about it. Concerned about it, but I just it's it, you're getting down at a crunch time. My point is is that you're getting to the point where. It's not like you can, you know, sustain a loss or withstand a loss or anything like that. You you have to you have to win out, and I wonder if that pressure is something that uh, Ohio State feels if they're starting to get you know a little antsy, a little nervous, uh, especially knowing that this um, Michigan game is going to be as big as it is. With that said, a lot of the metrics really love Ohio State right now versus Michigan, which I think is interesting. Um, I would not have expected that at this point, but I think a lot of it has to do with Ohio State's defense being so good and being so stout against the run and Michigan's uh, running game not looking uh, as nearly deadly as it used to be. I mean, this team's deep, and they were tested early in the season. Right. Uh, Not only regarding injuries, but going to an environment on the road like Notre Dame and getting the win in the fashion that they did as the time was expiring. That's why I wasn't really threatened by this Wisconsin game at all, even though I would have been maybe in years past. Mm-hmm. They were 3-2 and two in their last five at Camp Randall going into that game. And just knowing that they had been in a already raucous environment like that earlier in the season and battled through, like, you know, grittier nerve-testing conditions relative to the football situation late in the game, mm-hmm. I just was not threatened by what the the scenario was presenting relative to Wisconsin. And I'm sure that a lot of the players felt the same way too. Even when Kyle McCord was making mistakes, I'm sure the defense held its composure that they're like, okay, now we're going to keep this def- – we're, we're not going to let this be a back-breaking moment for this game. I thought right. a, a really big moment was – after uh, Wisconsin had the punt return into Ohio State territory, and they immediately got turned away, and it was just a complete non-point in the game when everybody was like, oh, my God, Parker Fleming, this is it, the undoing mm-hmm. of Ohio State. This is how it begins in right. Wisconsin. It's it's 2010 all over again because Parker Fleming. And it's, no, 
nobody remember. And then and then uh, Jess and then Jesse Murko down like two punts inside the ten later on in the game. So it's like, oh, special teams actually did have a good game. Jesse but- Murko <laughs> has been on point, and, and I'm 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 all about that dude. But you know, they also had I think a pretty big uh, punt return. And you know, as you're kind of talking about, I, you know, the thing is, man, I, I'm with you on that though because this is a battle tested team. They have the best resume. Uh, pretty much of any team in the top five or top 10. I mean, they, they're, they're, they're playing teams on the road, um, you know, that are difficult teams. They've come out unscathed. I I don't like, yes, you want the offense to look better than they have, but like, I don't know what else you kind of really ask for. Right. I mean, beyond the offense getting better and things like that and cleaning things up, obviously less turnovers, fewer turnovers, but uh, in general, I'm, I'm pretty happy with where the team's at. So we'll see what happens against Rutgers and, and what it looks like leading up, obviously, into Michigan. But I think right now, it's not that the team's perfect. It's not that they uh, can go out there and be world beaters immediately. But it's that the things that they need to do better are fixable. And I think they're fixable pretty quickly. I don't think they have, have anything to do with talent or um, you know, resources of finding out who the guys are. It's just, you know, figuring out a way to maximize that potential. And it looks like they, they have some ideas about that. And I just want to see those be uh, put in place uh, against a team I, that they can score 50 on. I need to see improvement from McCord the next three games before I'm willing to say that this team can beat Michigan. That's, yeah, and that's fair. To answer that's, your original question. And I think that's 100% fair. And I think that'll be the biggest thing that people will be looking towards uh, in the next few games here. So uh, that's, you know, Ohio State, Wisconsin. Uh, get out of uh, Madison with a win. Always a, a good thing. We're going to get into Ask Us Anything here in a second. Before we do, uh, we want to uh, remind you that the Dubcast is sponsored by One Medical. So here's a word from our sponsors. The best defense is a good offense, and that goes for your health too. That's why One Medical, the modern doctor's office, is changing the playbook for primary care. With four C-Bus locations and 24-7 virtual care, One Medical helps Buckeye stay healthy. And the relationship with OSU's Wexner Medical Center makes it easy to get access to specialists. To get your 30-day free trial, visit onemedical.com and use the code TRY1MCOL. That's T-R-Y, the number one, M-C-O-L. All right, that was One Medical. Thanks again for those guys for sponsoring the 11 Dubcast Thanks to you guys for sending in questions to our favorite segment of the show, which, of course, is Ask Us Anything. We remind you that you can ask us literally anything by sending us questions to dubcast at 11warriors.com. We've got a lot this week, and I want to get to all of them. We are drowning in mail over here. Yes. (laughs) Drowning in mail. Um, So let's go ahead and get started with Matt, uh, who says, Hey, guys, I love listening to Dubcast every Tuesday and RealPod Wednesday the following day. The only downside is I have to delay my workouts till the evening so I can be entertained as uh, through as I slog through cardio. That's fun that you're working out. I, I just need to sit down and sleep half the time. All right. If I had a magic box that gave Ohio State a win over uh, that team up north and a Big Ten title and appearance but loss in the national championship or a loss to scum – uh, but we sneak into the college football playoff and win the natty, which are you taking? So to simplify this question, wow. you got a box. Button number one loses to Michigan but wins the national championship. Button number two beats Michigan but loses the national championship. Which do you which do you press? Uh, you have to understand I am a deviant fueled by hate. Yeah. I, we could go one and eleven, and if we beat Michigan, it's a successful season for me. Okay. I hate them that much. Okay. 
So yeah, I, I have to choose beat Michigan but lose the national title. That's crazy to me. That's crazy to me. No. Who cares about Michigan? If you like, I uh, hate them so. I cannot abide it, Johnny. I understand. I, I understand. But my point is, is that nobody will I'm care. I'm going to be selfish. That I, I get need it. it. I get it. I am fueled by their anguish. And I, I will say this: I'm a little bit older than you, and maybe because I grew up in the '90s and you know experienced the you know the constant losing the Cooper the Cooper era that that was my formative years and then being able to see in the 2000s with Jim Trestle and Meyer just laying into them I gotta tell you something I've seen a lot of Michigan wins I've seen a lot of Michigan losses I've only seen two national championships I want that national championship I don't care what Michigan says I don't care what they say I've only seen two national championships as a fan there's fans in the Big Ten that have never even sniffed one of those. Who cares? And you're upset you've only them. seen two of them? Yeah, I want to see more. I want to see more than two. You see... spoiled no. child That's of fine. Buckeye royalty. <laughs> How dare you? No, be be happy with with being rich in the tradition of of taking a dump on Michigan and be grateful for that. I want to see in my lifetime the the lifetime mark between those two teams get evened out. I That's think fine. it can that happen. Can happen. If they if they go on another run like what happened the last decade, it's certainly within reach. Yeah. I want to see that and I at this point, both, like George. in terms of in terms, of, listen. I saw them win a national championship in college. Emotionally, right. that's not going to get topped. It just right. isn't. Maybe when I like have a family someday, if if they're Ohio State fans and I get to again, enjoy George. it with them, you I'm sure you're probably right look. You I mean, I'm sure you're. Right I'm sure you're probably looking forward to that on some level, like with your family. So I can see from that perspective. But listen they they joke about calling it the most important thing in the world this rivalry between Ohio State and Michigan and until a national championship is actually on the table beating Michigan is the most important thing so just, give me the win i am not going to tolerate that loss emotionally having that sit for months stew from all of december until a couple weeks into January, and it's like, oh, we did sneak into the playoff and we won. If we would, if if they got to beat Michigan in the playoffs, maybe I would accept that. So, George, okay, so this is in like five minutes into this question, but I want to ask you this real quick. Last year, Ohio State had the opportunity to beat Georgia, potentially beat TCU for a national championship. If somebody had told you that they would have gotten that national championship, including the loss to Michigan, all other things being equal, you wouldn't have taken that. You would have said, nah, screw that. I don't care. I want that win against Michigan. And I'll, Not I'll if they the- couldn't have beaten Michigan in the national championship. That's insane to me. That's insane no. to me. You get you get the you take the national championship. I would have rather them beaten those rotten cheaters at home in Columbus so much more and (laughs) shut them out of the playoff. Okay, so same same season, same outcome. You would have said, I'll take the Michigan win and leave the national championship. I mean, 
what? So they lose to Georgia after they win the Big Ten championship? Absolutely. Yeah. All things. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So they don't even make the title game. They just lose the play. They like first well, round of the playoff lose to yeah, Georgia. Yeah. 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 Let's let's keep it like that. Yeah. Let's keep it at that. All right. That's crazy to me, man. That's crazy. Take the national championship. I hate you Michigan that much. Yeah, I, I hate <laughs> Mr. Threat Level author. I don't like where your heart is at here. <laughs> I'm just, I'm telling you, dude, Ohio State's beating Michigan. Like, what, I am selfish of times? as a fan and I don't play for the team. I want to right. see Michigan lose. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Uh, okay. This next one here is from Kevin, who says, uh, Guys, prognosticate. Uh, who do you think will get the most carries against that team up north? That is, by the way, that's a tough question. I have, I would love to say Travion Henderson because if it's Travion Henderson, then I'm feeling pretty good about Ohio State's chances. Um, does he stay I, healthy and upright? I don't Tra- know. Travion Henderson. If he's healthy and ready to go, it's going to be him. Um, if he's not, do you burn down? You know, not burn as Richard, get, I I don't know. I think. I think Chip would be the dude. I think that's who they would go for. But I think the better, if it can't be um, Trey, then I think it's got to be Dallin. But hopefully it doesn't get to that point in his Trey Van Henderson. By the way, he also says that he has a t-shirt idea, a headshot of Jim Knowles, and the t-shirt says Minister of Defense. That would be cool. Unfortunately, uh, we would probably have to get Mr. Knowles' uh, permission for that. I don't know if that would uh, definitely go for there. Um, Okay, so this is uh, from Bryant, and this is uh, (laughs) – he was – Quoting Pete Thamel at ESPN talking about Connor uh, Stallions, uh, who we've, you know, that's that's what we've named him. Um, Connor Stallions. Right. He bought tickets to the 12th Big Ten School of Sources. At 12 of the 13 possible Big Ten schools have a record of Stallions buying a ticket there. So the question that Brian has, I love this question. If you were Connor Stallions, what is the one Big Ten school in the past year where you wouldn't even bother buying a ticket to go to the game to steal their signs? I wanted to ask Who's the this team question. that got skunked? I wanted to ask this question in the 11 Warriors Slack, and I'm so happy it's been asked on the Dubcast. Such a great so, question. Johnny, I love Johnny it. give me your answer first, please. Oh, my God. I, I mean – I guess it's got to be uh, like Northwestern, right? It has to be Northwestern. It has to be Northwestern. <laughs> but, but, but Northwestern has a chance to win the Big Ten West. They're still in it to win it. So it's like, I, I guess it's got to be Northwestern. It could well, be who did, Purdue. Who, didn't, who wasn't on Michigan's schedule? That, like, because that's right. If they well, didn't no, but he play was North- about to, all the other Big Ten teams except one, apparently. Right, so who didn't Michigan play in the last two years? Oh, right, so it's okay. It so was then we probably, probably them. It was probably Northwestern. We can figure that out mathematically. But yeah, did they I, play Northwestern last year is the question. I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, I could so be wrong gonna, with that. I'll try to look it up. All right, well, while you do that, I'm, I'm going to add uh, Brian's bonus question here. Uh, be creative and come up with one funnier name than Connor Stallions for this story. <laughs> well, I mean, okay, so – you know, if if you've heard my voice and you're like, what the hell is he doing? This is a Metal Gear Solid reference. And the yeah. joke that I made when Connor Stallions' came, name came to light here is, you know, because, I mean, this is a spy thing and it's a stealth video game. So that's yeah, the yeah, crossover. Yeah. But it's like Connor Stallions sounds like a name that a Japanese software developer would give to, like, an American supervillain in like a spy thriller written 
for like a Japanese audience. Like right, especially right. when Connor, it's been since corrected, but when his name was initially printed, there was one N. Now there's two. <laughs> the traditional on. spelling of Connor, right. Traditional spelling of Connor <laughs> is two Eds. So it was like, okay, there's a typo on the first name, but then stallions would be the yeah. you know that's like oh it's a reference to like a horse but it's one l so it's no, like no. there's two there's two typos in the name and it could be you want to say it's stallions but it's stallions like right. it's like this this is not like correct yeah the perfect name <laughs> i think in this situation name. the perfect name in this situation has to be something that's like uh something steeped in americana with the most generic first name like possible so like I don't know, like Chip, like Chip, apologies to Chip Trainum, but like, I don't know, like Chip, like Jaguar or something like that. Like some kind of thing where it's like a very like, uh, you know, Jack Ryan kind of thing for the first name. And then the last name is, you know, some kind of, like, I don't know, like Jack uh, Mountain Lion or Jack, like bobcat jack bobcat i think would be pretty good i think that would how be about good. how about bobo but like b-e-a-u and then b-e-a-u-x is the last <laughs> name <laughs> i like that one that's pretty good <laughs> bobson doug nut um all right this is from mike what's up Falk john <laughs> Falk big Johnson. mclarge huge blast hard cheese um all right what what's up dubcast says mike my family and I are going to our first uh, OSU versus Rutgers. We're setting up a full tailgate before the game. Oh, nice. Do you have any OSU-themed tailgate favorites? Uh, I mean, I'm not a big tailgating guy. I would have to say, you know, you can't go wrong with just the classics and then throw in, you know, the you know, the Ohio State Buckeyes, right? You know, like I think that, that helps maintain the theme while still being delicious. So that's kind of my that's where I would go with that. I wouldn't go super complicated or weird. I will say because I am a Southwestern Ohio boy, uh, an SOB, as our, our friend Andy Vance would say, um, uh, you gotta, you cannot go wrong with Skyline Chili Dip, which, in my opinion, is the most delicious of all dips. So, Skyline's gross, but well, I mean, that's okay that listen, you're wrong, but that's fine. Uh, well, look, people have been wrong you, before. Don't you, be saying you, to be wrong. You Cincinnatians enjoy your slop. But oh, it's definitely slop. I, I it's wouldn't... raccoon food, but it's delicious. <laughs> it's raccoon food. Oh yeah, says. that and getta. Like, come on, we're eating out of trash bins. I'm not. I'm not going to lie about that. Oh, by the way, the <laughs> onion today, real quick. I know we're like going a little bit long on this, but the onion today had a. Uh, uh, it was a state by state breakdown of like the, that each state's favorite uh, Halloween candy, and it said that Ohio's was uh, Skyline Chili in a Ziploc bag, which. I wouldn't. God, I would be lying if I said I'd never eaten Skyline chili out of a Ziploc bag. So woof. <laughs> oh man. Um, right. By the way, real quick, uh, this is another an add-on uh, from Mike. Before I forget, uh, also knowing what you know now, if given the chance, would you trade Rutgers for Syracuse? Yes, for basketball reasons alone. Yes, one hundred percent. Oh, because you're afraid of them in basketball? No, because it would be funnier because. <laughs> Like Rutgers, Rutgers is not entertaining in any any real way. In real, you know, way. they're about to get like a ton of like insanely good NIL recruits, right? Oh, oh, in basketball, that's right. I forgot about that. That's yeah, right. I forgot they've got their. So do whole... you really? So, do you want to trade them because you're afraid of them, or do you want to trade them because oh, they're stupid? 
No, I want to trade him because uh, I like the shenanigans that Syracuse gets up to up there. But you do bring up a very good point um, with the the class that Rutgers has coming. I wasn't even thinking about them relative to basketball. I was just thinking football. But if we're talking like full-on trade between the schools, I mean, in terms of conference strength, I don't think I actually want to get rid of them, no. Yeah, no, that's fair. Uh, This one is from our good friend Alvin, who wants to know, do you prefer this year's team or last year's team playing this schedule this season? That's an interesting question. I I mean, you've got, I mean, obviously, I think the implication here is that you've got the bump right in offensive capability, but you're going to take a huge hit in defense. Um, Last year's team was more balanced and had a better quarterback, I, I would say, last year's team. Yeah. Uh, that's a really good question. I, you know, I think I would have to agree with that maybe at this point. I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with how they play against Michigan. Um, but yeah, I mean, you get, you'll have CJ Stroud on your team, right? And then, you know, Marvin Harrison and all that. I I do think that is, you know, injuries aside, uh, it's more balanced team in general. The, The defense, obviously not nearly as good, but, um, I don't know. That's an interesting question, especially. And I also, I would say that's a, that's an interesting question in light of how the rest of the college football world is kind of performing. Um, it feels like it's a little more open this year and that this team uh, or last year's team would have maybe more of a shot. I don't know. That's a really interesting question. Um, all right. So real quick. Yeah. In 2022, Michigan did not play Northwestern. Okay. In 2021, Michigan played Northwestern at home, yeah. but Northwestern finished three and nine, and they were three and three going into the Michigan game. But one of their only wins was over Indiana State, and the Solid. other was Ohio. Their only Big Ten win was Rutgers, which was twenty-one to seven the week before they played Michigan, and the week before that. They lost to Nebraska fifty-six to seven. So that's, Northwestern was booty twenty twenty-one. Did not stuff. play them. Did not play them in twenty twenty-two. It's very, very highly likely that Northwestern was the team that the Lions did not bother attending. That's really to funny. see. That's really funny. It's got to be them. Uh, okay, this is from Joshua F. It is Halloween. Uh, what's can you do you have any spooky stories for Halloween something that you can tell it's like something particularly spooky at Halloween my my icon a real real story a real story that happened you or or someone you know not really but my icon in the 11 warrior slack is me wearing a dead mouse helmet and uh that's like my Halloween costume every year for like the last 10 years because I got it when I was a senior in high school and Part of the reason I purchased it, I, I bought it to go to a, a concert that year. You know, guess who it was? But it was uh, also when I, I, well, I had this thing afterwards and I was like, a you VC. know what? I, I'm going to, I need, like, I'm going to need to get some mileage out of this for the purchase that I made. So this is just going to be my Halloween costume every year and i'll say it's my emergency halloween costume but i'm lazy enough and this is high enough production value that i'm just gonna roll with this every year and it it, and so you know it's it it served me well i've i've enjoyed having it so that's that's that is incredibly spooky i'm i'm pissing my (laughs) pants as we speak uh 
I, you know what? So I, uh, it's a family show. I'm not trying to scare. No, no, no. It's yeah, it's, that's right. We're trying to make everybody comfortable and happy. I, spooky stuff. I'm not a big believer in like ghosts and goblins and ghouls. It's not something that, uh, I feel real uh, concerned about. I will say though, this is like a moment in my head as a child. I'm sure I was like asleep or I dreamed it or something, but it, my memory of it is very, very real. And it's one of those like existential like things that, you know, you think about or whatever uh, that is bigger than like, you know, somebody chasing you with a knife or something like that. And I just have this very clear memory of uh, we were driving. I was in my, my family's car. Uh, I was probably like eight or nine years old. We're driving back home and there's like this kind of cut in the hill in Middletown as you're going um, uh, like from, I think, I guess, like the E, uh, like the west side to the east side. And it was like, it was super dark out. There was a full moon. And as we like cross in front of this cut in the hill, the moon appears like 50 times larger than it normally is. Like it's, it's, it's obscuring my entire vision as I'm looking out of the window of the car and it's like right there. And and I just have this memory of going like, Oh, well that's going to collide with earth and we're all going to die. And that's horrific. And then like, I don't, that's where my memory ends. And it's like this awful thing <laughs> that I, I'm sure I, it had to have been part of a dream or you something. You played too much Majora's Mask. I that's think, right. That's right. Happened. That's right. Final day, 24 hours remain. Um, but yeah, I, I just had this and it's, I don't know. It's just this image that's been stuck in my head for years. And it's not like the scariest thing that I can say has ever happened to me or someone else, but it's, it's very unsettling. And it like, it's it's Spooky. been there yeah it's been there for years and years and years so i don't know i just i think that's interesting all right last one let's get out of here on this one from justin uh greetings guys with eight games into the season it feels like the offensive line is basically baked and any hope that they will get further uh further gel or improve seems to be more wishful thinking than anything else um he said this is one of the worst performing o-lines he can remember uh but is this a sign of things to come given the recruiting classes and uh, maybe what's you know happening uh, in terms of like development and things like that is the yeah, offensive I guess, line. I guess Travion did all that work by himself this last game, right? <laughs> no, they and, and you know what they do deserve some praise for that because I think in general they they perform pretty damn well in run blocking. Um, there were some there were some moments where they were shaky, but I don't know. I, I disagree that they can't get better. Uh, this is a young offensive line, and, and by that I, I mean in terms of like gameplay experience and things like that. They've got some transfer transfers. They got some guys who've played some minutes and some snaps. But in general, you're looking at a lot of new starters. Um, it is a process, and I do think that they'll get better. I don't think that if you're going to just... scrutinize the offensive line, scrutinize the pass blocking because that yeah that would help McCord with the the pressure. And I think one of the biggest moments of the game was. Um, you know they were trying to. I don't know. They were they were there was speculation that they had recently just changed up the way that they're relaying the plays relative to signals or whatever for obvious reasons. And uh, it, you know, McCord like came up to the line while the crowd was pretty loud, and he was communicating to Fryer, and Fryer had his head turned to like try to listen to what McCord was telling him. And then when they actually ran the play, I mean, Fryer got beat off the line like 
hilariously badly enough, like yeah. where McCord just got toy. I think it did end up in a forced fumble, but they were able to, Ohio state was able to recover it. But I mean, it was, it, it, it spoke to the problems that the entire offense was having trouble with all night relative to creating a safe pocket for McCord and then for McCord dealing with that pressure when it came. So there's, if you want to scrutinize the offensive line, um, I know that Simmons, they pointed out on the broadcast, he's one of the most penalized offensive linemen in college football this year. The tackle play has simply not been where it needs to be from a passing perspective from this team. I think there's a lot more that if you want to scrutinize that's available there relative to the run game, which just had arguably its best performance of the season. Yeah, I would agree with that. And, um, but again, this is one of those things where I think they can get better. They absolutely can. Uh, eight games seems like a lot, but in the you know full measure of things, I think you'll see uh, an improved offensive line towards the end of the season and going into next season. And I'm not, I'm not super concerned about it, at least right now. Uh, so that's Ask Us Anything. Thank you so much for sending those in. Those are excellent questions this week. I love the creativity and the thought that everybody puts into it. Um, it's, it's really cool to see. And uh, I'm, I'm glad that we can answer those for you. So before we get into our last part here, we do want to remind you that we're also sponsored by Able Roof. So here is a quick word from Able Roof. Need a new roof, but you're not sure if you can afford it? No problem. Able Roof offers 0% financing for qualified buyers. Call 614-444-ROOF right now to get your new roof with 0% financing. Able Roof has been servicing homes in Columbus for over 40 years. Able Roof is home of the one-day installation, and Able Roof will remove your old roof and install your new one all in one day. On top of 0% financing, Able Roof offers a lifetime guarantee on every new roof that they install. This is a company you can trust. They make the process painless, and with one-day installation, you'll have a new roof before you know it. Don't put getting a new roof off any longer. Call Able Roof today. Call 614-444-ROOF. That's 614-444-ROOF. All right, that was our sponsor, Able Roof. Uh, Let's talk a few things here. The the Michigan uh, football shenanigans continue unabated, and... You know, every single day seems to bring some other new, goofy, ridiculous element to all of this. I actually, I'll say this. I am not super impressed uh, in terms of, like, uh, consequences that I foresee um, for the Michigan football team. I haven't seen anything super, super crazy. Uh, However, it is still very, very, very funny. And the idea that... (laughs) Yeah, that Connor Sline's out here writing, you know, a 600-page manifesto, allegedly. That I need to hear that or see that before I know. this is over. I and I want to need that. Not only do I want it, not only do I absolutely need to have it in physical form for us to peruse. I need somebody to take like an AI vocal platform and then like read it in like Bo Schembechler's voice or something like that, um, because it's. The the every twist. I'll every read two element. pages on the dubcast every episode until it's over. Oh my god! Oh my god! Yeah, no, we have to do that. If we have that, we absolutely have to do that. <laughs> no, we will do that. We will do that. So yeah, I'm praying that that comes out. You know, basically, there's just been you know another week of Michigan fans super deep in their feelings and you know basically trying to act like no, it's it's not a big deal. I'm not. Upset they're blame- they're they're trying to deflect by saying oh the 
Ryan Day hired the investigative firm, right, obviously, right. because yes. the Ohio State media, like 11 Warriors, <laughs> like us, was out in front of the story last week instead of us just reading the situation for what it was and saying, hey, you guys, Ohio State fans, you might want to pay attention to what's happening in Ann Arbor right, right. now. That we didn't pour gasoline on any fire. We were just saying, look at the fire that's going on up there. <laughs> and they're upset about that and say, oh, Ryan Day is the one that started this whole story. It's like, no, you guys, you guys cheated and got caught. It is what it is. And they're now they're trying to deflect and, and point to that. They were saying the Washington Post article that came out last week, there's a link between the author and Ryan Day because yeah, Ryan favorite. Day was a grad assistant at Boston College while the author was a writer at the student newspaper. There, you want to talk about grasping at straws. They're so guilty and desperate that they, they're just willing to say anything to deflect and put attention anywhere else at this point. Yeah. It's unbelievable to witness. The phrase coordinated PR campaign has been <laughs> bandied around so many times and that's the funniest part about it to me it's like there's no possible way that something that michigan could have done something bad that people are reporting on it has to be this coordinated conspiracy to bring down michigan football and it's like guys it's not even that that's freaking literally bad. what desmond howard said on game right. day he said it feels like someone is compelling jim harbaugh <laughs> out of college football you're you're a frontline Michigan media member, the biggest Jim Harbaugh face. is compelling Jim Harbaugh out of college. Desmond <laughs> Howard is the biggest Michigan man left at ESPN, and that's his talking point right. after all of this news comes out while the college football world is watching. Yeah, this program is guilty as sin. And I'm just just I'm I've been saying bide your tongue, let them keep talking, and I know it's you know coming from a guy with a microphone to his mouth while he's saying that. But just well, they're, let they're them alleged. hang themselves with their own words. That's fine. Just got to keep all, talking. Yeah, and, and, I under, and I really do want to emphasize, it is all alleged at this point. It is all hearsay. It's all just like reading like you know tea leaves and all that kind of stuff. But that's why I think it's funny. It's not that Michigan is like, you know, defending themselves from something that like has been absolutely proven or whatever. They could handle this very easily by just ignoring it. That that would be the the sensical, smart way to go about. Yeah, it. Ju yeah just to clarify, the uh, Ohio State media was uh, not out in front of this story. So, That's right. even if Ryan Day did hire the investigative firm, the fact that their brains are so broken that people like John Bacon and Sam Webb are running with that talking point as this is how you know that Ohio State is responsible for whatever is going right. to happen to Michigan is totally ridiculous. Yeah, it's pretty asinine. And it's not it's not the sign of a fan base that is handling this well. So, and the thing is, man, I said this. In That's what their media is telling their fans right. to cope. I know. And, and this is my point, right? And this is the last thing I want to say about this, and then we can briefly mention a few other things that happen in college football. I don't think this is that big of a deal. This by itself, right? Like Michigan, it, it's hilarious and everything about it is goofy and insane. This isn't on the level of like 
actual crimes being committed or like people being abused or anything like that. This is a ridiculous, silly thing. You can't say that the FBI is involved. No, they're not involved with it. That's my point. The FBI is involved with a separate thing with Matt Weiss. That's the problem. Computer crimes. Right. And that's my point because Michigan fans are absolutely having a kitten over this stuff. Talking about how Ryan day is colluding and all this other thing. That's not even the story that anybody should really be paying attention to. The story that people are paying attention to is the FBI is chilling out in Ann Arbor because of a separate incident, a what has been reported as an unrelated incident involving computer crimes that could be far, far worse than anything that we're talking about with some guy recording the sidelines of a football game. That Michigan is is falling apart, that these guys are falling apart at the seams at, to me, is it, something pretty silly. Uh, it's I'm just curious to see what's going to happen if something very serious actually does end up happening from this second, uh, the separate thing with Matt Weiss and the, and the FBI. So that's something to keep an eye on. Um, I think Michigan fans, as long as they keep winning, they'll stay on a mostly even keel, but man, if they drop one, if they lose to Ohio state, like I I don't know how that's going to look. I don't know how it's going to happen. That's if it be- comes out that they conclusively cheated, I would just love to see the Big Ten say, you know what, no no conference championship game for you. And I've seen like conspiracy people float the idea that that's what's going to happen if Michigan beats Ohio State, but only in the event that they beat <laughs> Ohio State because you could then – make a case for an undefeated Michigan team and an Ohio <laughs> state team that wins the big 10 championship oh God. to both be in the college football. Please, playoff. please. Happen. That would be great. Okay. So anyway, conspiracy theories abound, uh, lots of goofy stuff happening. Um, I, I, for one, am just enjoying the ride, which I know Michigan fans absolutely are not. Uh, other things to kind of talk about here. So Oklahoma goes down. That was a fun back and forth that Kansas took him out is freaking hilarious. They threw a goalpost in the lake. Good. They should. I, I wish they would have gotten the whole freaking uh, thing, but the goalpost, I'll accept it. That's also fine. Um, Deion Sanders basically throws his entire offensive line under the bus. Interesting choice. Uh, given that your son is the quarterback, I don't, I don't know that you should say that they should all be looking for other games when there's still like four more games to play and, you know, your son could ostensibly get sacked like 500 more times. He's just going to um, go buy more players. He accessorizes them like sunglasses. That's that's fine. But, you know, for a while, you got to kind of, you know, dance with the date that you came with. So we'll, we'll see what that looks like in the next two games with them. Uh, and finally, before we get out of here, how are you feeling about the Rutgers game? Confident. Ohio State, you said, is a 19-point line. How do you feel about their odds to cover? that i'm not i i do not fear this man shiano i was so (laughs) happy when i i remember saying like they need to put him in a cannon and like launch him into lake erie when he was still on staff in cologne it was so obvious we we had trouble discerning like was it shiano or was it grinch i think long term we found out that no it was probably more shiano but it's like they were both bad. And to go from those two guys into Coombs and then finally get Knowles, like it's it's just such a revelation after having all these clowns. I'm oh, sure. I'm very happy that the second act that that Shiano has gotten to bring a little bit of legitimacy back to Rutgers football, I guess. But 
that is still not a team that is going to be threatening the top three in the Big East for a very, very long time on a consistent basis. So I'm, I'm just not afraid of them. And history has shown that there's no reason to be afraid of them, even if this is potentially the most competitive it's ever been going in. Uh, call me when the line is within single digits. Yeah, yeah. Rutgers, uh, I, I agree with you. I kind of like that they're they're decent. And by decent, I mean like, you know, winning more games than they lose. Uh, it's also the 107th ranked offense in the country. So uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't love their chances to keep this thing close, especially in the second half. Um, I'm not super, uh, I'm not sweating this one either. I think it'll be a fun game, but the interesting part about this Rutgers does have a pretty good run defense, at least to this point, and we'll see what Ohio State does. But so with that. did Wisconsin. So did Wisconsin, and so you know, and, and so on and so forth. You could say, say that about passing defenses with a lot of other teams too that's played Ohio State. So, um, yeah, I'm not sweating. I think it'll be a good game. I think it'll be a fun game, and we'll be back next week to break all of that down. And until then, I'm Johnny. I'm George, and we'll see you next week. Take care, folks. Yeah.